Hey everybody, it's Paul. Welcome to another edition of the Nonpartisan Evangelical Podcast. We're going to talk climate change today, and should Christians think about it? What should they think about it, or should they at all? You'll hear from a couple of Christians who think it's a really important thing. We're going to talk about that coming up. But first, I want to tell you about a couple of things I want to invite you to be a part of that have me really excited these days. And one of them is our Nonpartisan Evangelical Patreon page. Um, which is uh, a place where we really are building community together. You get exclusive access to a whole lot of cool stuff, including our private Facebook group and uh, the audiobook series, which I really love. And uh, we've got it up in segments now, and you can hear it there. So join our nonpartisan evangelical Patreon page. You can join for as little as $5.99 a month. Or you can go up as much as $100 a month if you just really want to help to support this. Our goal is 300 patrons in the NPA Patreon community. I think we're at 52 right now. And uh, so invite some friends to join us. Help us hit that 300 goal and spread the word of the nonpartisan evangelical. And the money we get uh, right now is helping to, to fund just sort of the, the general ongoing cost of, of the nonpartisan evangelical and also to have somebody helping with loading up social media posts and things. Um, the other thing that I would love is to have more editing help and somebody to upload content as far as videos and such. Um, so your your money is being put to good use. None of it's going into my pocket at this point. In fact, NP is more of an out-of-pocket experience than an in-pocket one. Uh, but I love the community we're getting to build, and I think the message is really important, so I'd love for you to join. And the other thing I'm really excited about is our Sunday night spiritual gatherings. Uh, a bunch of us come together on Sunday nights via Zoom from all over the country, really. We truly are sea to shining sea right now with somebody coming from Virginia and Wisconsin and Michigan and, of course, California and Washington. And um, so we'd love to have you join that. You don't have to adhere to any particular religion. Just be willing to come share life and share a, a moment of faith and spirituality together. And we do that on Sunday nights. You can join my email list to get the Zoom link uh, for it every week, or we will put that up on the NPE Facebook page. And I would love to have you join. And, and on all of these things, it just feels like there's momentum right now, that all the ugliness we're seeing is, is culminating to a point where people are having to make decisions. Do I want to be a better person than I've been or not? And uh, these are some ways we're cultivating that in one another through the Patreon page and through our Sunday night spiritual gathering. So I hope you'll join both of those. So what about climate change? Are we supposed to adhere and believe in science? Or as many evangelicals right now, do we just reject science because those are elites trying to manipulate us? And Jesus told the Pharisees an interesting statement. I believe it's in the book of John. He said, you know, you, you hypocrites, you take away the keys to knowledge. You don't want people to learn. And there's a proverb that says it's, it's the privilege of God to hide a matter and the privilege of kings to search it out. Well, I think we're kings. I think we're special people. And we deserve to go look at science and say, is that true or not? We shouldn't ignore it. But then we get to work our discernment through it. So that brings us to climate change. And for some, many of us who are partisan in our beliefs, climate change is just a, a ruse not to be trusted or believed. It's, it's something that's being used to get the United States and to get the rest of us. 
Others are looking around at the world and saying, hey, it doesn't look very good. And the Bible says we're supposed to take care of this place. So why aren't we doing that? Tom Cotter and Tyrone Carter join me for a podcast today. They're Christians who say climate change and understanding it is actually a part of the command of Christians to steward well the world. I'd love for you to listen in and hear what they have to say. Two Christian men, one a former pastor, the other a current pastor. And we like to get you in proximity of people you might not always be around. So some of you may not know anybody who believes in or trusts scientific evidence for climate change. And so today I want you to meet two people who love Jesus as much as you do and believe climate change is not only real, but it's a command from God that we do something about it. All right, that's the podcast for today. Hope you enjoy. Thanks for being a part of this community. For those willing to listen, learn, and have eyes to see and ears to hear, this is the Nonpartisan Evangelical Podcast. I could stand in the middle of Fifth Avenue and shoot somebody and I wouldn't lose any voters, okay? Challenging the mindset of right-wing Christianity and encouraging people to have their minds renewed and hearts transformed. What knucklehead, mush for brains, evangelical leaders are trying to, uh, to overthrow Trump. It's a special kind of dumb and calling yourself a Christian. Let's have better conversations about the life modeled in the Bible so we can truly tell the world God is not mad at you. This is the Nonpartisan Evangelical Podcast at npepodcast.com. All right. Hello, everyone. Hello, Craig Sharton. How are you today? Good, brother. I miss you. I, I know, I, man. We got a little visit uh, when you dropped off a six-pack for my birthday. But uh, Have you had any of the beer yet that we dropped off for your birthday? All of the 99 is gone. Okay. I'm saving the, the two darker beers for when it cools down a little bit. Okay. All right. Cool. Yeah, it was good to get to a socially distanced visit on your porch. Yeah, you brought a nice balloons and all of that. That was great. <laughs> Good to see you and Ashley. Yeah, it was. We're, we're hungering to see people, I can tell you that. Yeah, it was nice and good to see you on the screen. And so today we're doing something unique. We do a podcast called Two Guys Talking Fresno Together. And I also do a political slash religious podcast called The Nonpartisan Evangelical. And so it's a combo podcast. We're doing both together today. Two birds, one stone. I, I like it. it. I like it. Except let's not kill a bird, particularly no. with the topic we're talking about today. Today, can we call it a hybrid? <laughs> yes. That would Thank be you. Thank a you. A hybrid. So Very nice. Very nice. Now, that's the voice of Tom Cotter, who is joining us today, who pastored for a dozen years and worked on staff of a church and has been in solar for the last 14 years. Also joining us is Pastor Tyrone Carter, he's the pastor of Ephesus Community Church and also entitles himself as a change agent. So Tyrone and Tom, welcome to the podcast today. Glad to be here. Thank you, Paul, for inviting me in. I, I do want to say this to you before we get started. One of the premier dangers is allowing a preacher to to speak into the <laughs> microphone because he might not stop talking. So, 
<laughs> yes. I've got three of you on here to deal with. <laughs> you could be in trouble today, Craig. Yes. So, Craig. As a, as a former politician, I'll do my best to hold my own. There you go. <laughs> Craig, I know that nature and animals and environment all matters to you. And so we're going to talk climate change today. And it's an interesting topic, Craig, because as I represent this evangelical community, ideologically or theologically or whatever reason, we tend to be in the white evangelical church sort of climate change doubters. And so it's always interesting to talk about what climate change is, why some believe it, why some don't. But uh, I think it's an issue that matters to you, isn't it? Oh, very much. It's, it's interesting to me that we were learning about it in college back in 1981-82 called the uh, greenhouse effect, which is, was really how climate change was going to happen. And here we are decades later from me being out of college and still having this debate about whether it's real or not. It's, it's just absurd to me that anyone who can look at the data you can argue some points of it, but the scientific community, all except for a few, have they've shut the door on having any argument at all. And the thing, as uh, representing the agnostic on the panel, is that it just baffles the hell out of me that Christians don't think of the world as a completely sacred place and that we have all the things that we need here provided for us already that we need to have this consumptive, tear it down, don't replace it attitude. And my fear is that just like the Catholic Church denied that the earth (laughs) revolved around the sun, and it took 500 years or so to get an apology for Galileo, that we don't have five years for the church to catch up with us on this one. If we wait 500 years, we won't be having this debate. Yeah, possibly not. Tom, Tyrone, you guys tell us, is it real? Is climate change for real? I was eating uh, lunch, Craig, with somebody you may know, Seth Tilly, a a while back. And his question to me in talking about this topic was, why don't more Christians care about the environment? And uh, that's a very good question. And part of his question to me and what others have asked as well is, why do you care when so many others seemingly don't? And I didn't start off caring about climate change necessarily. A a turning point for me was I went to an event at Fresno State called the Veritas Forum, and there was a scientist there who was from Duke University, and the topic of his speech was, is God green? And I took him out to coffee afterwards and said, okay, so you're involved in all these conversations in academia and science. Is it real? Is it really happening? And his response back was that in the scientific community, the only significant debate around climate change is, can we fix it? And how do we fix it? It's not about, is it happening? Is it caused by humans? And so that was really the first time that I had actually had a conversation with someone who was on the academic science side. And I think for a lot of people in churches, the only 
person that they hear from is on the TV where you have the pro and the con, and it seems like it's 50-50 weighted, and usually the person who is trying to explain that climate change is real, usually they pick someone that's a little bit weird or <laughs> way liberal so that it's an easy contrast for that media channel. Or an elite or some scientist or something like that. You know, the, an intellectual, God forbid. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or even Bill Nye the science guy who then you know, a lot of Christians will discount as saying he believes in evolution. We can't trust him about climate change. Yeah, we're not done with that debate yet. Yeah. So, Pastor Carter, how about you? Where do you come at this from? I, I first and, and foremost believe in climate change. And I'm, I believe in what the scientific community is, is, is saying to us. Their responsibility as scientists is, is to simply give us the facts. And I certainly believe this, that if people would just open their eyes and begin to look around them, that they will begin to see evidence of climate change. One thing is I was watching on PBS a documentary about Yellowstone Park, and the forest ranger said, that what was happening there was that the, that the ice pack and the snow that is accumulated every year in the mountains is becoming less and less every year. And, and also when we look at the North Pole and the South Pole, the same things are happening. And people that uh, live here in Fresno, I can actually say this. When I first came to Fresno in 1986, the winters were more severe. Fog uh, would be in the valley for days. The climate was colder. But now it seems like winter here is becoming less and less. And of course, when uh, Al Gore first came out with global warming, and of course, Craig mentioned about when he was in, in college and now years later, uh, people are still uh, saying that, that this does not exist. But when Gore came out and began to talk about global warming, people thought he had uh, went in the back room and smoked some Panama Red or something. <laughs> and so they were saying, this guy is crazy. And now, what, 20, 30, 30 years later, we are beginning to see more and more, I believe, evidence of it. And how I really got involved in this, I went to a Juneteenth celebration and the climate change people were there. And there I met Connie Young. I don't know if Connie Young, but I met her, we started talking and I became interested in, in climate change. Now I do a lot of stuff in the community. And climate change at that time wasn't one of the things that I was actively involved in. But I did connect with, with Connie, went to my first meeting, and from that point on, I've been an advocate. But I support the scientific evidence as the true indicator of what's going on. And also, we just have to look at the environment and what's going on around us. Most people aren't really aware of their surroundings 
and able to look around them and to see how things are changing. Yeah. I don't believe that it's changing rapidly. And I believe that's one of the downfalls. If it was something that happened very quickly, I think more people would uh, get on board with it. But, but yeah. because it is happening in this incremental, cyclical way, that more people uh, can't see it. And so, therefore, they have a tendency to refute it. And those of us who are Christians, um, we don't seem to want to uh, get involved in a whole lot of things, whether it's climate change, <laughs> abortion issue, or taking it to the street and getting involved in politics. The church has been very silent, and it's time for us to come out of that corner and begin to let our voice be heard. Mm. Uh, Assemblyman Jim Patterson, I was at a, a pro-life meeting, and Assemblyman Patterson said this, the people in Sacramento simply want the church to be quiet. They want us to shut up, stay in the corner, but I'm not that kind of person. Uh, I'm going to let my voice be heard. I, I want to be another John Lewis who recently passed away. Yep. And John Lewis was an inspiration to me because this man always went towards trouble and didn't run away from trouble. So, hmm. Pastor Carter? Yes. Before you met Connie Young and she talked to you about climate change, before that, what was your understanding or opinion about the topic? Before I met Connie, I was not actively involved in it, but I did believe in climate change because I was able uh, to look around me and to watch documentaries. And I, I'm also, uh, Tom, a big fan of Bill Nye. I've been, I've been watching Bill Nye since I was working at Channel 30. And uh, every Saturday morning when I was working, I would watch Bill Nye, the science guy. Yeah. And I became fascinated uh, with his show. I believed in it, but I was not actively involved in it. Yeah. Now I am actively involved in it. And I consider myself to be a modern-day Paul Revere. And if you remember, he rode out on a cool October morning or a September morning in Boston, and he rode out because he felt a necessity to warn the colonists that the British were coming. And he had the same message. He didn't change his message. He kept saying the same thing. The British are coming. The British are coming. So that's my message, that climate change is here is happening and, and we need to do something about it. I will say this last thing and release the mic. A Christian lady told me once this. She said the time to prepare for war is not during war, but the time to prepare for war is during peace. And we've got to deal with this issue now, whether we want to do it or not. Because it's coming, we can't change it, we can't stop it, but we can stop it, we can change it if everyone gets involved. All right. Yeah, and Pastor, you're a Republican too, right? 
Yes, I am. I am a rarity. I am a black Republican, and that's a rare thing in in this day. A black time. Republican that believes in climate change. I, I, yes, yes. The, you're the, like a uh, unicorn. That we're yes, saying. the Republican Party has a very weak stance on the climate change issue. I've talked to many of my fellow Republicans. The older Republicans are not in tune with climate change. And also, most of them are trying to get Donald Trump re-elected. So climate change is not on the agenda. Now, I'm, I'm actually working with young people in the Republican Party, and they are into climate change, and that's who I'm working with. I'm not working with the older people because yeah. they have basically sort of written climate change off. So. Yeah, it's an interesting issue. And probably I, one thing I might push back, I hear Christians talk a lot about abortion and a lot about gay marriage or those things. And I don't want to get off on those tangents in this, but I don't hear a lot of Christians talking about climate change unless it is to poo-poo it. And I, I don't know, Tom, why do you think most Christians or a large portion of maybe I should say conservative evangelical Christians don't believe in climate change or aren't actually in the fight to change things that are impacting it? I think because we talk about it, for one reason, as believing in it. And that's faith <laughs> words there. That's not science words. Science is about what we can observe and measure. And we talk about it, I fall into the same thing. Hey, do you believe in... It's not faith in something unseen. We, we can actually see the see how ticks, for instance, that carry Lyme disease are spreading into regions that have never had these ticks before. We can see glacial melt. We can see all, all these different lines of evidence. It's much more than just a thermometer. There's somewhere around 26,000 plus lines of evidence that we pull from to understand how the climate is changing. So you put it like with the flat earth category, there's not really an argument and an opinion of whether the earth is round or not. We've settled that question, right? Yeah, you can talk about the, the scientific consensus of climate change and Every single academy of science across the whole globe and all these different countries have issued statements in agreement that the climate is changing and that it's human activity that's causing it. Part of, to get back to your question, part of the challenge, I think, in churches is that we have the Great Commission to go and make disciples of all nations and especially in the West, the, the gospel that we have been preaching and teaching because of this idea that if somebody dies, if they do not know Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior, they will go to hell. That seems like it's a bigger consequence than something that's physical right now. So it's almost like we've fallen into the trap of what John was writing against, the false teaching of Gnosticism, that 
Jesus didn't come in the flesh, that it was all spiritual. And we've spiritualized everything now, and some people have fallen into that same trap that, you know, when you when you look outside, when you look around, that none of this really matters because it's physical and it's not eternal, the spiritual is. And so the highest calling is to go and rescue people from hell. And everything else is not that important. So what's the biblical mandate from your perspective uh, about the earth? For those who have been to church on Easter morning, the most important thing in the world from the Christian perspective is Jesus and the life that he gives us. And I think you could argue that the second or third most important thing beyond that spiritual life is physical life. God didn't create us to be floating around in space. He created our bodies to live and thrive in very specific environmental conditions. And so he created us and he created the earth uh, and to take care of this place is to honor and respect the creator, very simply. The, the whole earth is the Lord's and everything in it, right? Mm-hmm. Tyrone, how do you how do you teach this to your people? What what is uh, the sort of the biblical foundation for you of climate change, or of one, battling climate? One one thing. Let me let me answer the same question that you asked Tom about why the church isn't involved in the political arena and in dealing with uh, things that are happening in our culture and in in our society. The church, the New Testament church, was designed by God to be an agent of change. That's the first and most important thing. In the Great Commission, we are commissioned or given a mandate. Now, God didn't ask us. He told us. And most people don't get that. When you have a mandate, uh, ex-military, it's a direct order. And those of us who are in the military, we follow orders. I don't know if you've ever seen the movie A Few Good Men. but Many times, movie, many, many times. I have seen that movie so many times that I could <laughs> actually uh, be an actor in that movie. <laughs> Tom Cruise asked Jack Nicholson in the movie, Lieutenant Jessup, do you believe that this other officer did not follow your order. And Jessup said this, son, you ever put your life in another man's hands or had that man put his life in your hand? He said, son, we follow orders or men die. Orders are mandated and they are important. We have a mandate from God to be an agent of change. The church has failed because we have not been obedient to the mandate that has been given to us. Instead of us going to make disciples, we are simply going to church on Sunday, and there's nothing wrong with that. And we come in to worship, but we're supposed to go out and serve our community and be agents of change. We have taken the church 
building and turned it into a fort. The fort is designed to keep people out. And we're supposed to be agents of change. We have lost our influence. Now, I see it like this. The church is that city on the hill that can be hid. And if you go down into the valley, you have the political system. The church is supposed to influence the political system and the political system and the church with the church being at the top of the ladder is supposed to influence the popular culture or what we see happening in our communities. But that hasn't happened. What has happened is that the political system is at the top rung of the ladder. The popular culture is next and the church is bringing up the rear. In other words, we have become the tail and not the head. And so our voices are silent. Let me, talk- let me bring you on to, to climate change specifically, though, because I do think the church is politically active in some areas, wouldn't you say? Yeah. But it seems like climate change, we feel, is not an issue okay. we, we're supposed to delve into. Let me just say this and then flip the script. If you, and I say this to all Christians, if you read your Bible in Genesis chapter 1, and I have my Bible here, and I'm going to read it to you, to what God gives man dominion. And it's Genesis chapter 1, verse number 26. And no, I'm sorry, verse number, yeah, verse number 26. And God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God gave man rule uh, and dominion over his creation. Therefore, all of us who are Christians are responsible to God for what goes on in this physical world in which we live. Tom can said... You, wait, can you read uh, 129? 129. And God said, Behold, I have given you every herb-bearing seed which is upon the face of all the earth and every tree, and the which is the fruit of a tree-yielding seed to you. It shall be for meat. So the Seventh-day Adventists take that to heart, and they are largely vegans and vegetarians. And we know that the large industrial meat uh, meat in factories are either number one or number two climate change producing industries of, of everything. In some cases, they say that the, the meat production produces more climate change than even transportation does. And we all want to get a hybrid, but if we're still eating those burgers, which might be tasty, but the amount of methane and uh, carbon dioxide and uh, water consumption for that is huge. And we also know that the Seventh-day Adventists also live longer than other Americans because they're eating a healthy diet. I love that part of uh, Genesis. So you're making a biblical case for veganism, huh? I, they do all the time. 40% of the Seventh-day Adventists are vegans. And when I think you talk about the environment, what, what we eat has to be right up there with what we drive and what powers our light switch. Interesting. 
Yes, I will. I will certainly agree uh, with you, Craig, on on some of the points that that you made. As far as whether a person wants to be a vegan or whether a person wants to eat meat, that's up to that person. I do know, and I do agree with you, that because of our large production of animals for our meat consumption, that there is being produced a lot of uh, methane gas, which is going uh, into the atmosphere and which is affecting our climate. I agree with you on that point. And of course, they consume a lot of water. But I, I still cannot move away from Genesis 1 and 26 and that mandate that was given to us by God to have dominion. We know that man is uh, the highest form in God's creation. And man has been given stewardship and an ability by God uh, to be over everything that God has made and to govern it in the proper way. So therefore it can bring glory to God. And I believe yeah, so that- if I'm if I'm the steward over your retirement fund, Right. If you put me over your retirement fund and I become the steward, what would be my job? What perpetuate it to increase it, <laughs> make to sure it lasts. It, right. Yeah. One right. And uh, so stewardship me, to some people, I think, means this: we have free reign to drill and to clear cut and to strip mine and to everything else. How does that work, uh, Tom? I'd be interested in what you think about that too. I love using the Bible first, Paul. I think that might be my first. I know. Well done, Craig. Uh, other, well done. Than the, other than the love your neighbor one, I think that's the <laughs> furthest I'm straight into chapter and verse. Let me, let me back up to what Pastor Carter brought up in Genesis 1, that dominion. So the word for that in the way it was originally written is radah, R-A-D-A-H. And if you look at other Man, we're places, getting Hebrew in here today and the whole thing. This is awesome. If you look at other places in the Bible where that word is used in Psalm 72, may he also radah from sea to sea. He will deliver the needy when he dies for help, the afflicted also to him who has no helper. He will have compassion on the poor and needy and the lives of the needy he will save. So radah is not just about dominion and stewardship, it's associated with delivering the needy and compassion and saving. And in Matthew 25, it's talked about caring and loving and being responsible for. And then in chapter 2 of Genesis, it says, then the Lord God took the man and put him into the garden of Eden to Abad and Shamar. So to serve and to protect and to guard and to keep. And some uh, translations actually use the word garden. So Craig, to your question, if, if you were given a piece of land by someone that you loved more than anyone else, thinking as, as far as God, and you extracted every dollar from that piece of land, every penny from it, and left it in complete disrepair and crumbling ruin, how would that reflect on how we feel about the person you know who gave it to you to us but instead yeah, not only that but who you're going to leave it to yeah yeah well, but and, instead and if, Tom, we, if, you, if i can just jump into if you think yeah. about the commands to the people of israel to give the land a break on a regular basis and and then the year of jubilee idea so 
obviously you have to make sure the land is still fertile and working if you're going to give people back a good yeah. piece of property. So it, it seems like this is all over the Bible, right? Yeah, and Christians will often respond to a message about caring for creation as, yeah, I recycle. <laughs> but so what, what if, if we what took that piece do? of if we took that piece of land and we we instead we cultivated it, we farmed it, we used it to provide jobs for neighbors, we grew food and the soil was healthy and the natural ecosystem insects and animals and birds thrived on it that's that's the biblical idea of being given something and then being faithful in caring for what we've been given you know first corinthians 4 2 says now it is required that those who have been given a trust must be faithful and that's, that foundation is where you get the idea of caring for God's creation, being caretakers of what we've been given. And within Christendom, there are, there's this idea that there's a pyramid, and humans are at the top of the pyramid, and their boot is on the throat of the environment, the creation. And they can, they can have dominion over that in ways like a king would have dominion who abused his power and just took. And that's not the biblical view of dominion of creation. But then Christians say those environmentalists, those liberals, they say we're all equal with creation, and that's not the biblical view. So you have, on one side, you have this top-down model that is extracting profits, using for own, you know, personal gain, really. And then you have on the other side this everything's equal view. And I think the biblical view is someplace in the middle. It's not egocentric. It's not ecocentric. It's theocentric, where our role is to love and to care for God's creation and and to hold up with what we've been with what we've been given. So if I were to ask if there was a day of reckoning and the question was, were you, did you try to help our planet be healthy or did you make our planet less healthy? Where do you think the Christian church would fall? Mm, You mean if we're using the verse in Revelation that God will destroy those who destroyed the earth? (laughs) (laughs) You can pick anyone you want. I think that the reason that the church is in the place that Pastor Carter described is because we have been extremely deficient in our discipleship. It has been very lopsided. And I think that if the church can grow into some other areas that it again will be seen as a positive thing in communities Uh, because in many communities that the same thing that happened in Europe is happening in the West. Now people go to churches on tours because they're empty. They're beautiful and they're empty. And that's where the church is headed here. And that's why we, one of the reasons why we have this power grab because it's 
the root is what we are discipling followers of Christ to be. I, and I think part of this for me, I'll t- tell you my history a little bit here. When, when I was growing up in the church, we were taught, you know, I'll use this fancy word, eschatology, the, the end of the world teaching. And our eschatology was any day Jesus is going to come, take the good people out and leave everybody else behind. And God's going to blow up all those people in the world. And so I think because of that, our mentality a little bit was, if God's going to blow this place up, and that's going to happen any moment of any day, it's not, it's going to happen in our lifetime. Why do we give a crap about the earth? Why would we even care? Because it's going to be blown up by God. And so I I think some of that theology has played into this, wouldn't you say, guys? Yeah. But also, too, Paul, since, since you mentioned that, what you were given was an incorrect assumption that's not firmly based in the truth of the word of God. God is going to renovate the earth, not completely destroy it. Because when you understand your Bible, you understand that the church has a heavenly destination. And according to the scripture, the church is going to be raptured out or there's going to be a catching away. And Israel, the nation of Israel, will go into an earthly kingdom here on the earth. So to believe that the entire earth is going to be exploded and there's no need for us to to worry about it is a fallacy that is not based in reality. Also, I might add this to what Craig said. Craig said, if there be a day of reckoning, Craig, trust me, there will be a day of reckoning. And every person will stand before God and give an account for what's on the account. And we cannot escape that. And I will simply say this to all, as it is written, so it shall be. Now, the Bible says... I would say, you know, if you didn't take care of it down here, I don't think I'd admit you up there. Well, (laughs) I'd say, show me the proof of how you take care of things before I let you come up here. I know that's a very childish view of how the whole system works, but I think it illustrates a point. Like, you ought to prove that you're worthy of taking care of things here, or why would I let you you do anything else? Take care of your own bedroom first, Jordan Peterson says. If you think the world's a mess, start by cleaning your bedroom. (laughs) Yeah, I I think Tom said it best when he gave a wider definition of of that word dominion and the caring and that not only applies to human beings but that applies to the plant kingdom the animal kingdom and everything working in in God's perfection and God's harmony to bring forth a system that is rooted and grounded in love because if you love you will not strip that land and use it for your own selfish uh, pleasure, and then the land isn't worth anything to be passed on to others. And that's another thing when it comes to climate change. Those of us who are in our, I would say, our closing years, and we don't have as much time on the planet, but our children and our grandchildren will still be here. And so we have a responsibility to them. And that's why so many young people have bought into this because they're going to be on the planet longer than us. 
Yeah, that's, I think that's a big part of it. Tom said people are leaving the church in part of because these beliefs. But Tom, I got a, a little bit of a story from my childhood as well. When I was in the first grade, our teacher told us that by the time we were adults, there would be no paper because there would be no more trees. The, the planet would be out of trees by the time I was an adult. And I got to tell you, by the time I was an adult, because as a kid, I started like, I would not throw away a piece of paper. I would write <laughs> on every single inch of that paper because I was terrified that we were not going to have any trees. So has there been some sense? And so for me, when I became an adult, I was like pissed off that I was, had been told there would be no trees when I was an adult. And yet there are a lot of trees. Is, is, has there been some overreaction perhaps along the way that then gives people a pass to say, ah, that didn't happen Sure, I think Forget there's always it. overreaction. If if you go back to the 80s, I think one of the first stories that somebody told about the 80s, there was newspaper articles about the next coming ice age as well. So one of the objections people have is, we didn't have an ice age, so those scientists can't be trusted. But <laughs> we had the media back then too, in the 80s. We also had scientists who were still you know, we're just trying to figure out this climate change thing and the greenhouse effect to to narrow in on one story from the 1980s and talk about the next ice age coming and so climate change can't be real now is ignoring a mountain of evidence but yeah people take al gore's movie and inconvenient truth and they say it years later now and we're not underwater so that's not true but yeah there are places in the world that sea level is rising and destroying whole communities and small little island countries. So I think it's important to realize that this is science. And just like in other areas of science, that as the years go on, the science gets better. The thing to really think about to me is that once you start seeing its effects, it can be too late. The way that this works is that once you start heating the planet, you don't turn off the switch and it stops. And we're still pumping record amounts of CO2 and, and, and greenhouse gases into the environment. Yeah, yeah it stays, CO2 stays in the atmosphere for 150 years. So even if we stopped producing CO2 with fossil fuels and agriculture, we've still got a long ways to go. And I think the, the other thing for Christians to have with perspective is no matter what you think about the science of climate change, there's a lot of other creation care issues out there too that you could start working on. There are 9 million people a year that die from pollution, air pollution. We have deforestation. We have oceans and fisheries. We have ozone layer depletion, waste management, chemicals, toxins, heavy metals. We just went through a week of having smoke-filled yeah. air uh, mm -hmm. because of the, the wildfires in California, which, uh, which seem to be climate change related. But at the same time, we didn't stop tilling and dusting the air with for the almonds just west of us where the wind blows. So... Even when we have smoke blowing in, we don't stop doing the other things that could be helping our air quality. We keep piling it on. And it's crazy. Absolutely. And it's insanity. 
and, and I would also say too, and Paul, you uh, mentioned the, the smoke. It, it hasn't completely left. So I, I wanted to make that point. And, and I also want to agree uh, with something that Craig said. In this equation of, of climate change, if we don't react and do something, we're going to reach what is known as a point of no return. And what that means is no matter what we do, it's going to happen in such a way that's going to be very destructive uh, to those of us who are called earth dwellers who live on this planet. One reason why the Republican Party uh, doesn't agree with the climate change rhetoric or ideas is because they feel that we are too alarming, that we are psychopathic in our approach, and we are making a big brouhaha about nothing. They don't understand the clear and present danger. So. What would you say to people listening to this who, who either agree with us or maybe are open to it? What are the top things that that people can do to uh, engage in this. I know you're involved with the solar industry and have been since we met back in 2006 in a variety of ways, aligning your faith with your employment and business mm -hmm. uh, right. goals. But what can people do? Because this can all seem very overwhelming. That's a really good question. And it's a lot more than recycling, but everybody has to start someplace. And I think everybody can pick one thing. I think that the most impactful thing that someone can do is to, on the big picture, because the big picture is what gets overwhelming and you feel like you just want to give up once you start looking at everything. I think the number one thing is to vote for elected officials who will put a revenue neutral carbon tax in place on a national level. And I think that will be the thing that will drive the biggest change the most quickly. When we have a level playing field for energy. On the personal level, I think it's to Google carbon footprint calculator and work through the, that little list and think about how many miles you drive and what you drive and what you eat and what your energy bills are, and see where you're bloated. <laughs> see where yeah. you're too heavy. One and, of, and then make one some that adjustments. that pops up in that is when people fly a lot. Yeah, yeah. That, yes. you, can, you can do really well until you put the three trips to the East Coast on. Yeah. One of the biggest things for, for me personally and, and why – I got into solar in 2006 was I started looking at carbon footprint and thinking about when I flip on a light switch in my house, am I supporting a, an industry and a system that's actually hurting people through the pollution that you know, is created from that energy that I'm using in my house? So it's been interesting over the last 14 years in the solar industry to get to the point where so many people now can go solar and it's not because they're trying to, most of them it's not because they're trying to solve climate change. It's just because they're trying to solve their budget. They just want to pay less for electricity. Yeah. And every, it's nice when economics nice. meets your social conscience. 
Yeah. Yeah, it's good. One, I think if I could throw one more theological concept here, it, it, there was a King Hezekiah in the Bible and Hezekiah was going to die. And then God told him, I'm going to let you live a little bit longer. And as he was living longer, he then made some mistakes and God came to him and said, okay, I'm not going to punish you for your sins. I'm going to punish your kids for your sins. And, and I don't think the Bible looks very kindly on I, I think Hezekiah could have said no. Let me have those sins so my kids don't have to pay the price for that. And in the end, Israel ultimately gets destroyed under the next generation because Hezekiah allowed his sin to be put upon his children. And the Bible talks about things to the third and fourth generation. I, I think it's clear that God cannot be pleased with the people that are unwilling to care about future generations. Yes. Uh, and period. How can we not? say, I will do anything to make sure my great-grandchildren have a good place to live. Yeah. And, and that's what sort of gets me is even when we talk about deficits and these other things, what are the sins that we're just putting on future generations and saying, yeah, we don't care. We, we refuse to have short-term pain for long-term care of our kids. Yeah, let me give another idea from Craig's question um, that everyone can do that's super easy and super lazy, so it should work very well. Just watch a YouTube video from a Christian whose husband is a church planter in Texas, and who is also a climate change scientist. So if you just look on YouTube for Catherine Hayhoe Christian, you can find because that, that's the challenge in all this for people of faith is you know, they want to make sure that they're getting accurate information and that it's from a trustworthy source. So this lady knows what she's talking about, and she's all over YouTube and Facebook, and she's got some good information. So learn about climate change would be another thing for people of faith. Uh, interesting conversation. Yeah, no, it's fascinating to me. It, 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 I, I just keep thinking, and it's been really on my mind a lot. It's if people really love God, and God created this planet, then you should treat it just with 100% sacred actions. And, and, and it's almost like maybe Christians believe in God the least because they don't follow that. There might be people out there that aren't Christians that are caring for the earth more than, than they are. Like if you had any faith at all that this, was, this story was true, you should be all over this and doing everything you can to get between the destruction of the planet and the God that you believe in's creation. Yeah, for those who are very evangelistic in their faith, there's another reason to take care of God's creation, and that's because it reflects his glory. And that creation itself is a tool, so to speak, for evangelism that can lead people to God. So if creation, if the world, these systems are being diminished— then it hurts people's ability to learn about this loving God. We're just about out of time, but I know you guys are involved with a group that are part of what we need is for this to be talked about, I think, in our churches. And so you guys, I know, are endeavoring to figure out how to make that happen. Yeah, I've, I've been talking a lot. 
Pastor Carter, you want to jump in? Yeah, I've been, I, I am going to, I, I did, I don't know if uh, Devin Carroll, but Devin and I got together and put together a PowerPoint just for churches and dealing with the mandate that was given in uh, Genesis. But we've got to connect with the pastors first, because if we don't connect with the head honcho, there's no way we're going to get in to the church to talk to the constituency. And so we're uh, really reaching out to pastors now, and we've just begun this process to reach out to pastors. And I'm hopefully we'll be able to go before the West Fresno Ministerial Alliance uh, uh, this week with their meeting to talk to them about maybe talking to some pastors about, and I have to talk to the pastors first. So Very good. All right, Pastor Tyrone Carter from Ephesus Community Church, Tom Cotter. Tell it your company's name is Power, P-O-W-U-R. Yes, power.com, power to the people. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Paul, Paul, one more thing I wanted to say. I want, I want to thank Tom and Craig and yourself, of course, and hopefully we will have another opportunity to come on to take this a little bit farther. Thank you. I'd love to hear how the meeting goes this week. That would be great, a great follow-up. Okay. All right, good stuff, guys. Thanks for having the conversation with us and uh, catching us up on climate change. <laughs>